0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Unanswered Questions True Crime Podcast. I have spent hours and hours investigating this. He basically told her that people have been killed, journalists, independent investigators, people like that, disappeared. It frightened her to the bone. There's more to the story than meets the eye. There were rumors of torture and homicide and sexual abuse, all sorts of egregious, horrendous, Crimes. He was polygraphed three times. Each of those three showed evasions. His resumes were a skeleton of truth. He was mad at the world and particularly mad at the government. A study that he commissioned that described a fictional terrorist attack. If people have died over this means you're getting close to the truth. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to say, what the fuck? Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of my new podcast, Unanswered Questions, where every week we will endeavour to discuss a mysterious unsolved case that has many lingering unanswered questions. So I hope you enjoy, and as always, leave me some feedback on what you think about the show, and rate it as well. Now on to the show. This week we'll be talking about Mary Anderson, Now, Mary A. Anderson is the pseudonym that was used by an unknown woman who committed suicide in a Seattle, Washington hotel room in October of 1996. Investigations by multiple agencies have failed to identify her. Now we get into the death and discovery of the body. On October 9th of 1996, the unidentified woman checked into the Hotel Vintage Park in Seattle, Washington. She used the alias Mary Anderson. She also gave a non-existent New York City phone number, that being 212-569-5549, and an address 132 East 3rd Street, New York, NY-11103. The woman paid in cash, $350 for two nights. Now, interestingly enough, the zip code 11103 and the area code 212 that she listed are actual codes corresponding to different areas of New York City, that being Queens and Manhattan respectively. The street and street number she used, 132 East 3rd Street, are also valid addresses when used with the zip codes one triple zero nine in Manhattan and one. 218 in Brooklyn. This suggests she had some familiarity with the general NYC area and Manhattan in particular. Some reports said that there were hesitation marks on the hotel register where she wrote down this information, which led people to believe she made up the name Mary A. Anderson on the spot. The clerk who checked her in has said there was nothing remarkable about the woman, no accent, nothing unusual. The clerk did recall that she had a lovely manicure and seemed well-groomed. She carried an expensive-looking olive-green woven leather purse. For two days there are no reports of anyone else seeing her leave her room. She did not order room service and nobody has reported seeing her in the lobby. At some point, I assume as soon as she arrived as there are no reports of her room being serviced, she put the Do Not Disturb sign on the door. She put on a pink Estee Lauder lipstick that was found later in the room and neatly combed her hair. On October 11th, her body was discovered by hotel staff after she failed to check out. When she failed to do this, a bellman was sent to check the room. He was unable to enter as the room was deadlocked from the inside. The lock had to be bypassed by management and engineers, and when they finally got into room 214, they found Mary dead on the bed. She had put black clothing and black slippers on and she reclined on the bed, clasping a Bible to her chest with the pages open to Psalm 23. This psalm is commonly associated with death and funerals. The Lord is my shepherd. Now this is the English translation, the King's James Version. A Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou twist my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. End quote. A suicide note was found on the bedside table. She left no identification. The medical examiner later determined she'd consumed a lethal mixture of metamucilin and cyanide and ruled her death a suicide. Now, Metamucil is a fiber supplement introduced in 1934 by G.D. Searle and Company. Metamucil was acquired by Procter & Gamble in 1985. The name is a combination of the Greek word for change, meta, and the class of fiber that it utilizes, mucilage. In its early years, Metamucil achieved spreadonic drugstore distribution as a behind-the-counter brand. Since 1974, the brand was also marketed to consumers by print and TV advertising and became available in food outlets. Flavoured versions were added in 1979. The brand is sold as powdered drink mixes, capsules and wafers in a variety of flavours. Metamucil contains psyllium seed husks as the active ingredient. It is manufactured in Phoenix, Arizona by Procter & Gamble. When first marketed to consumers in 1974, Metamucil was marketed as a laxative. The advertising slogan at the time was, quote, if not mature, then Metamucil, end quote procter and gamble sought to make metamucil a household name by advertising in magazines and on television using the claim quote all fiber is not created equal end quote the target group was older people who are more likely to suffer from constipation now we come to mary's suicide note her suicide note read quote, to whom it may concern i have decided to end my life and no one is responsible for my death mary anderson P.S. I have no relatives. You can use my body as you choose. Now we get into the investigation of this case. When police arrived, they found the room neat and orderly, half a dozen stretch vela separates in hues of emerald green, fuchsia navy and black hanging in the closet. She had a cobalt blue Himalaya outfitters jacket and black leather gloves from Nordstrom. Her purse contained $36.78 in cash, but no ID, no key, no credit cards. She had packed slippers for comfort, which were size 10. Police noted her final coordinates, head to the west and feet to the east, like a ship gone down at sea. There were, according to official reports, no signs of a struggle. Investigators conducted an autopsy on Mary Anderson. They discovered that at some point she had had breast surgery, likely a breast reduction, and that she had a copper IUD inserted. The IUD part number had worn away over the years, so they were never able to trace it, and she had never given birth to children. Now here are some facts that we do know about her and what was found in the room. They estimated her age to be between 30 to 50. She had a dental plate and slightly crooked teeth. She had short reddish hair and brown eyes and was around 5'8 and 240 pounds. An inventory of her items was carried out. She had two luggage bags, six stretch Valor outfits, which I'm not exactly sure what those are, olive green purse made of woven leather, cobalt blue jacket black leather gloves shoes slippers pantyhose estee lauder cosmetics which i'm assuming are pretty expensive perfume an iron a kitchen bowl toothpaste crystal light and metamucil mixed with cyanide to facilitate a suicide now, she owned two pairs of eyeglasses and shopped at mid-range department stores. The brand names she wore, The Villager by Liz Claiborne and Alfred Dunner, were available at what was then the Bon March or at Penney. In Canada, she could have bought these brands at Sears or Hudson's. She preferred bright lipstick, starlight pink or rich and rosy. She wore Estee Lauder private collection perfume. Investigators ran her fingerprints through the FBI's integrated automated fingerprint identification system. They checked with Canadian and American missing persons records, with Interpol and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. They checked with cyanide manufacturers and tried to trace her possessions. They had some slight success when they managed to track down the Metamucil lot. It was shipped initially to Phoenix, but it could have gone anywhere after that. None of these tactics worked though and Mary became a Jane Doe. Jerry Webster, the former chief investigator for the King County Medical Examiner's Office, remembered a few months into the investigation that there was a copy of the Seattle Weekly in the room. A pressed maple leaf had been set on a page. Quote, The maple leaf might have been a clue, he said. End quote. Or perhaps it was pointing to one. Based on the symbolism of the leaf, he and his team redoubled their efforts to search in Canada. As far as we know, nothing ever came of this. The red maple leaf is a national emblem predominantly featured on the flag of Canada. It represents the symbol of peace, unity and the natural beauty of the Canadian landscape. Its journey as an emblem of Canada began in 1868 when it was included in the coat of arms of Ontario and Quebec now the use of cyanide as a suicide tool indicated to investigators that she was educated they looked into the possibility that she might have worked for a mining company or a chemistry lab either medical or university where she would have had access to the poison but a search produced nothing they were never able to locate where she sourced the cyanide from Now, cyanide is released from natural substances in some foods and in certain plants, including the pits and seeds of some common fruits. In manufacturing, cyanide is used to make paper, textiles and plastics. It is present in the chemicals used to develop photographs. Cyanide salts are used in metallurgy for electroplating, metal cleaning and removing gold from its ore. Cyanide gas is used to exterminate pests and vermin in ships and buildings. Cyanide is a rapidly acting, potentially deadly chemical that interferes with the body's ability to use oxygen. Cyanide can be a colourless gas or liquid such as hydrogen cyanide or cyanogen chloride. Cyanide can also be a crystal solid form such as sodium cyanide or potassium cyanide. Cyanide is also known by the military designations AC for hydrogen cyanide or CK for cyanogen chloride. Cyanide is sometimes described as having a bitter almond smell, but does not always give off an odour, and not everyone can detect this odour. Very small amounts of cyanide in the form of vitamin B12 are needed as part of a healthy diet. Cyanide is very toxic to humans and inhalation exposure can be rapidly fatal. Brief exposures to lower levels may result in shortness of breath, convulsions, and loss of consciousness. Exposure to high levels for short periods may result in irritation of the eyes, nose, and throat, headache, pounding of the heart, shortness of breath, harm to the central nervous system, the respiratory system, and the cardiovascular system and quickly lead to death. Short-term exposure to low levels of cyanide may cause deafness, vision problems, and loss of muscle coordination. Cyanide can enter the body when a person breathes air containing hydrogen cyanide or dust from cyanide compounds. This is common for people who smoke or work in areas of higher exposure or near to two facilities where cyanide compounds are used or produced. Cyanide may also enter the body when a person eats food or drinks water containing it. Cyanide released to the soil may pass into underground water systems and cyanide is also able to pass through the human skin. Mary Anderson is buried in a Jane's Doe grave in Ballard, Washington. In May of 2021, the King County Medical Examiner's Office partnered with Othram to use advanced DNA testing and forensic genealogy to establish an identification of or to find the closest living relatives to Mary. To this day, her identity remains unknown, and also where she managed to source the cyanide from. Until next time, next on Unanswered Questions. The Devil's Footprints was a phenomenon that occurred during February of 1855 around the X-Estuary in eastern South Devon, England. After a heavy snowfall, trails of hoof-like marks appeared overnight in the snow, covering a total distance of some 40 to 100 miles or 60 to 160 kilometres.